as you find your seats, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles. Galatians chapter 4. This Advent season, as we wrestle through what is the true significance that Christ has come? What is the significance that God would put on flesh? What is the significance that God would step into time? What is the significance that God would become one of us so that we could become like him? What is the significance that God would be with us because he loves us and he, and he longs for us to, to be able to have a relationship with the most intimate of ways through Christ Jesus in the most amazing terms? With the holy God of the universe that we could call out because of Jesus, Abba, Father, we're going to be looking uh, at this amazing Advent story primarily uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and the pen of Apostle Paul through the book of Galatians. We'll go into other parts of Scripture. So um, it's an amazing story. And my hope and prayer is that God, again, will just open our eyes to see the glorious truth and the significance of what it means that Jesus has come Let's start by asking him to come right now and to fill this place with his presence, to open up our ears to hear from him. So will you please join me in prayer? Jesus, you came. And as you came, you rightly declared who you are. And you said that you are the light of the world. The darkness didn't understand it. It just didn't comprehend nor did the darkness snuff out the light of the world. But God, because we're here and there's a lot of confusion of what it means that this is the most wonderful time of the year, God, you would come and you would come through the power of Jesus and you would come so brightly that we could see your truth. Oh, light of truth. Shine today and through this Advent season like the Bethlehem star. Lead us to where you are. Show us who you are. All for your glory. All for our hope and joy. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. A young boy recently uh, attended uh, Orangewood, uh, a first time with his family, hadn't been to a worship service, hadn't been to one of our worship service, an acquisitive young boy uh, asking a lot of questions of why we do the things that we do. And by the way, for, for those of us who have been around here for a while, we should always be mindful that there are probably people here worshiping with us that don't know of, of who we are and what we do. And we got to be mindful that we can kind of tell them, hey, this is why we're doing this. I'll try to do that for sure. But this inquisitive little boy, he was really inquisitive about all things. He, he saw Jack Michaels uh, lead us. And, and one time, he, Jack Michaels goes like this. He said, what does that mean? Well, that's, what's the significance of that? Well, that's that we're all to stand and, and to worship. A few minutes into the service, he sees this bright light appear and all the kids go, well, what's the significance of that, that light on that wall, that O kids thing? Well, that's, that signifies that it's time for our children, first through fourth grade, to go to their own worship service. Oh, I gotcha. Now, what's the significance of this passing the peace thing? What's, what's that all about? Well, the little boy was told, well, that's the reminder that Jesus has come. 
He's come to rescue us and that there really is a God and and this God's holy and without sin. And the only way we can have a relationship with him, the only way we can have peace with God and really the only way we can have peace with one another is if we're in Christ Jesus. So we remind one another through the passing of the peace. Well, what about those plates? What's going on with all those plates going around? What, What is the significance of that? Well, it's a reminder that God has given us everything, that all that we have is from him. And that we have the privilege of worshiping and giving back a small little reminder and a token of his giving to us. What does it mean when Pastor Jakes looks at his watch or he looks back there at that clock? Don't look at it. There's a clock back there. What's the significance of that? It means absolutely nothing. All right. Maybe you've heard that. It is a story. It is a joke. You know, the preacher's watch. It means absolutely nothing. But we got to spend some time here today in the next several weeks answering the question, what is the significance of Christmas? What is the significance that Jesus, God's only begotten son, has come to earth? Because clearly there's some confusion reigning. I mean, from Black Friday, did you go? Were you crazy? I don't want to know. Don't raise your hand because I don't want to know if he was crazy enough to go. But I just... I'm intrigued with the story of uh, the Christmas season starting with a Black Friday with pepper spray and taser guns, you know, for us to get the best deal at Walmart, absolutely possible. I mean, so there's confusion. What is this most wonderful time of the year from, from Black Friday to, to Santa Claus? What is it all about? What makes Christmas the most wonderful time of year? Well, this Advent season, as I said, we'll be looking at the Bible. What the Bible says is the significance of Christmas. And we'll be looking at Galatians 4. If you'll turn with me again to Galatians 4, 4 through 7. And let me, first of all, read God's word again to us. And and, uh, then I'll point out what we'll be doing. Kind of outline this next couple of weeks. God's word says this in Galatians 4, 4. But when the fullness of time had come... hmm, Interesting phrase. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. What does this mean? Well, this week we're going to start off by looking at the phrase fullness of time. I mean, what does this phrase, the fullness of time, mean? What is its significance on history? And what we really kind of want to know here today, isn't it true, is what is the significance of the fullness of time on my life? What does this mean to me in the way that I'm going to wake up tomorrow? What, What impact and what change? Next week, we're going to look at the phrase that says, God sent forth his son. And did, you, did you see that it says that God sent forth his son? That apparently his son already existed for him to be sent forth. Not only that, it says he sends forth not only his son, but the spirit of his son. And what does it mean? And we're going to look at the fact that what does that mean is that God is, uh, that Jesus is fully God and the deity of Christ. The following week after that, we're going to look at this phrase, born of a woman. Hmm. Why born of a woman? Why not born of a man? What's significant about that? How how does born of a woman relate to the virgin birth? And what about that virgin birth thing? Is that really important for the story? Is that something that we have to hold on to for the story to make sense? And how does born of a woman show us that Jesus is fully man? We'll look at the significance of that. 
Then it says this, that he was born under the law. I mean, what, what, what does that mean? What does it mean that, that Jesus subjected himself, basically put on the shackles of the law so he could take off those shackles from you and me? What does it mean that the creator of everything, the creator of the universe would subject himself to the law? And how does that impact my life and your life? That is the following week after Born of a Woman. And then on Christmas Eve, we'll look at what does it mean for this adoption? Adoption as sons. And, and maybe some of you women are saying, well, why does it say I'm adopted as a son? Why does it say I'm adopted as a woman? What is sonship all about? What does it mean that this God of the universe who wants to come in the fullness of time and wants to give us life and life abundantly and this God of the universe so lavishes love upon us that it's not good enough just to rescue us. It's not good enough just to set us free. But he wants to share with us everything. He wants to make us, he wants to make us a part of his family. Adoption. So Christmas Eve, we'll be looking at what does it mean to be adopted into God's family. So would you pray for that? Would you come and would you come and maybe bring some friends and let's wrestle again. What is the significance of this great Advent season? But we're going to start off with this. It says, and the fullness of time. And the fullness of time, what does that mean? It means so much more than this is just the most wonderful time of the year. When scripture tells us in this passage that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, it's basically saying that this is the most significant and wonderful time of all of time. That this is really the point of time. So the fullness of time is going to tell us, first of all, three things. It's going to tell us that time, uh, there's a significance to time. That time has a point It's not meaningless. It'll tell us and point to the fact that time has a crescendo. There's a crescendo that is coming. It also tells us that time has a master. Well, the first thing is this. When he talks about the fullness of time, it tells us that the God who created time, the God who created all things, that the point of time is Jesus. That the whole point of history, it's Jesus I mean, at the fullness of time, God would send forth his son. I mean, he, he's the apex of, of history. All of history points to him. All of history turns on him. That Jesus and Jesus alone is the point of history. If you had read uh, God's promises in the Old Testament, you'd realize that this, this God had promised so much. He had promised so much to his people. He promised a relationship. Uh, he promised life. He promised blessing. And throughout history, God's people were wrestling, saying, really, is there a point? It just seems like so much failure. It seems like so much brokenness. But this fullness of time says that when when time had arrived, when, when the fullness of time had arrived, God sent forth his son to basically say this. All of my promises, everything that I ever promised a broken world, will find their yes in Christ Jesus. All the life that you're longing for, everything that can give you meaning and hope and joy, it's all found in Him, in Him alone. That's why I created the heavens and the earth. That's why I created time. The point of it is Jesus. It's interesting. Let's look at Ephesians 1.10. Ephesians 1.10, you can see Paul will tell us the same kind of uh, verbiage here that the whole point of time is Jesus, and he'll give us a little bit more detail about what that was all about. Ephesians 1.10, looking, I'm going to pick up in verse 9. It says this, 
that in Jesus, God was making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose. This is such encouraging stuff because what this is saying is, you listen to this, time isn't meaningless. What this is saying to us is that that God is behind all of time, that, that it has a point, it has a purpose, which he set forth in Christ Jesus. So the point and the purpose finds its way in Christ. Now, what is it in verse 10? And as a plan for the fullness of time, there it is again. As a plan for the fullness of time, when time arrives, what was that plan? To unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. I mean, the whole point of time, the whole point of Jesus is that he would come, he would come as God in the flesh and he would come to unite heaven and earth. And amazing of all amazing things is when that star shone and when Mary gave birth in the manger to Jesus, heaven and earth were connected. I mean, God is appearing in flesh as a baby in the straw. Listen, the whole point of the Christmas story, the whole point of the fullness of time is that Jesus would come and he would unite heaven and earth together. What's that have to do with us? We see Jesus comes as the King of kings and the Lords of Lord, Lord of lords. And he's come to subdue our hearts. And he's come to give us life and, and life abundantly. And he's come to, you ready for this? He's come to unite your life and my life to heaven even right now. How does that happen? How is it done? When Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray, he said it this way. He said, when you pray, here's how you should pray. You should pray to the Father in very intimate terms. Abba, Father. And by the way, we're going to see in a few moments that that this whole Christmas story is about an amazing God who lavishes so much love upon us that he wants more than just to forgive us, more than just to clean us up. He wants intimacy with us. Do you know that? God, God wants intimacy with us in Christ Jesus, for us to be able to call out, Abba, Father. And it's scandalous to think that sinners like us could be so, so loving, so, so familiar, so family with God. And yet, let's go back to what Jesus was doing in Matthew 6. He's teaching his disciples to pray. He says, here's what I want you to do. In me, I want you to see the Father, the holy God of the universe. I want him to see him as Abba. When you pray to him, pray, pray personally to him. Pray lovingly, because in me, you're forgiven and you're accepted and you're beloved. Pray, my Father, who art in heaven. And here's how I want you to pray. I want you, I want you to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth, as it is in heaven. So this amazing prayer is really reflecting the whole point of history. It's reflecting the whole point of Jesus' ministry that he came to unite us to heaven. He came to unite us to the Father. He came that heaven and earth could be connected and united. That's what, that's what Ephesians says. The whole point of God was to unite. The mystery of it is to unite heaven and earth together. That's why Jesus came. You know how he's doing it now? He's doing it through you. He's doing it through me. 
So this fullness of time, the whole point of time is that Jesus would come. He would come to open up heaven. He would come to open up the point so that now we could live our lives and say, God, thy will be done, Jesus. Thy will be done in my, in my own life. Let me, let me submit to you and, and your authority and your kingdom. And, and let me let heaven come here. And the way we love one another, we're uniting all things in Christ Jesus. Do you know, you know the church is supposed to be a colony of heaven on earth? Do you know that we're supposed to be the place that's true? Because that, what are we doing? We're submitting to Christ and his kingdom. We're to, be the, we're to be the place that the world is supposed to look back and say, that's the point of time. That's the point. That's the point. That you've come to live your life in Christ Jesus, surrendered to him, to unite heaven and earth. Have you noticed how educators have taken out the fullness of time and and what God has done in education? For those of us who are 40 years old or older, and when we grew up, the time of history was broken out um, by B.C. and A.D., before Christ and after death, or really in Latin it means uh, the year of the Lord. That time, this fullness of time, had such an amazing impact on the entire world that the entire world is going to talk about, well, the time before Jesus and the time after Jesus. But you know what the educators have done, right? They've changed that. They say, well, really what you have now is BCE, before the common era. And now we are in CE, the common era. And what the world has done, it will try to do, always will try to do, is take Christ and the fullness and the point of time out of time. And if Christ is out of time, if he is not the point, guess what? Time is meaningless. It's meaningless. If Jesus isn't the point of your life, if he's not the point of your life, it's meaningless. I mean, that, that's, that's this whole thing about the fullness of time. That, that Jesus came not just to be the point of history. But he is. He came to be the point of our lives. The apex. The purpose. The meaning. But beautifully, through us, in Christ, to unite heaven and earth. That's the most wonderful time of the year. Every season, walking with him. Well, the fullness of time, it signifies that not only time has a point, but time has a crescendo. It has a crescendo that is coming. Hey, how was your Thanksgiving? How good was it? Some of you look a little bit bigger. The sweater fit a little bit better last year. How good was your Thanksgiving? I bet for those of you, some of it was hard. Some of you, it's just another painful reminder of just brokenness of life. But even for those of you that Christmas was great. I mean, the turkey was so perfectly moist. Family behaved. That crazy aunt didn't either show up or she finally behaved. Everybody seemed to get along. Your team won. If no matter, listen, no matter how good Thanksgiving was, let me ask you, isn't it true that there's still an ache in all of us? Isn't it true that just, we're still undone. We're still just pieces missing. Pieces broken. Now, so how can that be? I mean, if Jesus came in the fullness of time, if Jesus is the point of time, and he's the point of our lives, we have to know, listen, 
Time has a crescendo. Time has a crescendo. You ready for this? And the crescendo hasn't happened yet. Right now, today, we can know the point of eternity. We can know the point of time. It's knowing and loving Jesus Christ. But there's a time coming. There's a crescendo coming that we have not yet experienced. We don't experience it in the first advent of Christ's coming. We experience it in the second coming of Christ Jesus. When time has this beautiful, unbelievable crescendo. Let's look at, see what God's word says about this. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. And although really what I want us to see is in verse 2 and 3, 1 John 3 verse 1 is so amazingly beautiful and so amazingly wonderful, I have to read it. It says this in 1 John 3, 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. I don't like the ESV translation there. It's really see what kind of love the Father has lavished, poured out upon us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason the world does not know us is that they did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. Here's what this is saying. In Christ Jesus, now we can know the point of time. Now we can have a relationship with Father. Now we could truly be brought in as the children. Now. But it says this. And what we will be has not yet appeared. Listen, there's a crescendo coming. There's a time coming. But when we know that when he appears, this is his second coming, we shall be like him. We shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself, for he is pure. Here's what's telling us is that there's a crescendo of time coming. And that those of us, by God's grace, who love Jesus now, and for those of us, by God's grace, who are walking and following after Jesus by faith, that there's a time coming that we won't ever have to live for him by faith anymore. We can live for him by sight. There's a day coming when these very eyes are going to behold the creator of the universe. There's a day coming where these eyes are going to see the nail-pierced hands. There's a day coming that we will see him as he is. And here's the whole point of it. And we're going to be like him. We're going to be like him. Sinless, holy, made beautiful in Christ Jesus. We're going to be like him, unable to even sin anymore. The whole point of time is Jesus. The whole crescendo of time is Jesus. And the whole point of history is that we will be like Jesus. That's why Paul says, practice now. Practice now. Be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Because we're children, now we're to imitate him because that's what we're becoming. The crescendo's coming for all those of you who ache. For all those of you who still have pain, for all of you who know that the point of time is Jesus, don't forget the crescendo still coming, right? He finishes what he starts. He's not going to lose any of us. And this beautiful crescendo in Christ Jesus, we will be like him. Do you know that God, but God says, you're going to be like Jesus and I've come and I've, I've given you life so that's a reality. But I want you to have intimacy with him now. I mean, right now, I want you to be able to say, Abba, Father. And the whole point of time and the crescendo that's coming for time is all for this intimacy. I know that when oftentimes when we pack away Christmas, uh, we put away all the stuff and we have all the memories and Christmas is over, we say, really? 
Is that it? Don't forget, my brothers and sisters, right now we can know the point of time, but we have to wait for the crescendo of time to come. But this also means that fullness of time, time has a master. I mean, it's not random. It's not that we're just spinning off in space somewhere, that time is just just something that God has no control over, that, that God doesn't have a watch. But you know what this really means for us in the fullness of time? That in the perfection of time, God acts. Here's what it means. Listen, listen, lean into this. This means that God's timing is always perfect. This means that God is never late. How many of you right now want to say bull? I mean, how many of you just want to jump up out of your chair and say, are you kidding me? I mean, Really? We see dimly, my brothers and sisters, and we see through a lot of pain. And listen, here's the reality, that God right now is calling us to walk our lives before him in faith and to trust him and to trust him and say, God, you're in control. Oh, does it feel like you're out of control? God, you love me. Oh, does it feel like you've left the building? God, you are for me. Listen, God, you did not spare Jesus. You gave me Jesus. Will you not fully give me all things? You're not holding something behind your back. You're not waiting for me to get better because you've done everything in Christ Jesus. Help me walk by faith. Listen, the message that some of you got to hear is that God today, right now, is the master of time. You're not. And some of you are saying, how long, oh Lord, how long? Do I have to be, do I have to have, be without children forever? I mean, do I have to be single forever? Uh, do I have to suffer through this marriage? Do I have to have these kids? And pro- I mean, I don't know how, what your how long is. I don't know. But what I know is this, that God is sovereign. He is in control of time. He is the creator of it. He's never late. And he gives you and me the privilege now of walking by faith and trusting him. Time has a master. You see, time has a point. It's Jesus. Time has a crescendo. It's Jesus. Time has a master. It's Jesus. But then we'll see the fullness of time also signifies that our adoption as sons is secure. Did you hear that? The fullness of time signifies that our adoption as sons is secure. One of my favorite stories is to hear from you all how you've adopted some of your children. Uh, this, this, This phrase I learned when I read one of your stories was bufa. Baby up for adoption. What a beautiful term of a a picture of a a baby having to go through the legal process, having to go through the paperwork so that a judge could be declared, so could declare that that child is, is yours. You see, what this fullness of time means that Jesus had to come, and he had to come in such a way like born, under, uh, born of a woman. We'll talk about that. And born under the law. Jesus had to go through all of the legal ramifications. Because why? Because God is holy and just. Because God is a lawgiver. And for sinners like us to have a relationship with him as his sons and daughters, he had to make sure that that law was upheld. He had to go through everything that a holy God would require that our adoption would be secure. And this fullness of time is the signifying reality. It's God saying that I've done it all, all the legal requirements. I've met them. You're now my child. I'm never going to change my mind about you. I'm never going to forget you. You're home. You're rescued. I'm yours. You're mine. Call me Alba, Father. Our adoption as as, as sons and daughters is secure. This is the whole meaning of this text. 
The whole meaning of this text in this fullness of time is, is that God's people, they were, they were waiting to be released. They, 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 they knew that God loved them before time began, that, that God set an amazing love upon them, that they were just waiting for this, this full right to be able to run into God's arms and say, Daddy. They're just waiting for that intimacy. And now Christ has fully come. You know the best Christmas present God could ever give us? that most wonderful time of the year is if we can be his and we could be a part of his family. What more could God give us? Listen, God couldn't give us more than he's given us. He's given us Christ and in him, oh my goodness, we've, we've been forgiven. My goodness, we've been cleansed. Well, he's given us more than just Jesus to cleanse us. He's given us more than just to robe us. He, he's given us everything. Do we get it? I mean, he's given us family entitlement. He's given us his inheritance. Everything that Jesus deserves is God's only begotten son. Everything that Jesus earned is God's obedient son. Everything, all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms, they're ours in Christ Jesus. He's given us the greatest gift he could ever give us, family, his family. I mean, it's amazing. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son so that you and I will now have this unbelievable relationship with him as a part of his family. And I just, I, I went blown away with this is just the intimacy here. Is that, that God really wants us to, to live our lives being able to say this Advent, Merry Christmas. Abba Father. Merry Christmas. You've sent your son. You've given me the spirit of my son, of your son. Holy God, you want me? You want a relationship with me? The intimacy with me? Yes. That's what the fullness of time is all it's part, all about. It's a whole point of time, Jesus. He's the crescendo of time. He's the master of time. He's the secure of our adoption. All for this for intimacy with God. <laughs> Amazing. The fullness of time signifies that our lives should always have room for Jesus. When the fullness of time had come, what happened? If you, if you want to turn, I'll just kind of summarize it into Luke chapter 2. It's the gospel story there where the Jesus story of his birth, and you know the story if you've been around God's word. Uh, Caesar Augustus issues a decree that there should be a census taken throughout the whole land, that everybody has to go back to their hometown for there to be this census taken. So Mary and Joseph have to go to uh, uh, David's hometown. And what's David's hometown? Bethlehem. And as he goes back to Bethlehem uh, to register for the census, guess what? Mary, big with child, she's going to have birth. And guess what happened in the end? There was what? No room. I mean, God, heaven, and earth are united through a stable, a stinky barn. God comes to earth. Why? There was no room in the inn. I mean, can, can you just kind of ponder that for a minute? You know what Scripture just said? Scripture just said the fullness of time had come. Scripture just said that history was turning. Scripture is telling us that God becomes flesh and he's dwelling among us. The God shows up uniting heaven and earth right there in Bethlehem. And guess what? They were too busy to notice. They were too busy to notice. It was an insignificant event in their life because they didn't have room in their hearts. What are you filling your lives with? 
What is the fullness of your time? Listen, I think the reason they didn't notice because their lives were like our lives. They're so daggum busy. I think one of the greatest tools Satan and the enemy wants to use against us is to fill your life and my life with junk and fill it this Advent season and fill it with all these marshmallows for toasting and and parties for hosting and, and be of good cheer and all that stuff that will completely miss that the fullness of time had come, the point of time had come, the crescendo is coming, Jesus. And, and listen, wants to make you and me so busy that we miss it all. Is there room in your heart for Christ? Is there room in your life for you to truly celebrate what Christ has done? Paul says in Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, he says, listen, you got to be wise. you got to be wise with your time. Why? Because the days are evil. He says, now, now fill your life. Fill your life with the point of time. Fill your life with the one who's going to be the crescendo of time. Fill your time wisely. How do we do that? We fill it with God's own son. He's the point of our life, the purpose of our life. He's the reason for the season. Do you know him? You know that he's, he's the reason for every season. You know that, right? I mean, we wear these uh, buttons or these little things and these, we have these billboards and they're nice. They'll say, Jesus is the reason for the season. And he is. And it's a whole lot better than singing it's the most wonderful time in the, in the year. But you know that Jesus is more than just the reason for the season, right? I mean, Jesus is the reason for time. I mean, Jesus is the point of all of it. It all points to him. The question is, does your life, is he the point of your life? Is he the crescendo of your life? Is he the reason you live? God's calling us this Advent season to line our lives up with him, to say, Lord Jesus, come afresh and be the point of my life. Let me ask you, have you experienced the adoption into his family? Have you experienced that adoption that you right now can sit as much of a mess you like me? Right now you can sit and cry out, Abba, Father. Are you in the family? I mean, it'd be, it'd be the worst thing would be to go through this Advent season and miss what it's all about. That God's Son has come so that you and I could be on the most intimate terms with the God of the universe. If not, the gifts for us today. It's just ask, come to Christ, say, Christ, I come to you and I want heaven and earth to be united in my own life. I'm going to bow before you and say, I'm a broken sinner. I deserve your wrath, but man, do I want to have this sonship? Do I want to have forgiveness? Submitting your life to Christ and living for, for him. Experience the greatest gift that God could ever give. So you really can say it's the most wonderful time because I'm with Jesus. Most of you know him. Most of you have, by God's grace, you know that. The question we got to wrestle with, is the point of our lives him? He's just, is he off to the side? Is our life leading to a crescendo in him? I think really for us, Orangewood, we got to ask, what's the fullness of our time? Is our fullness of our time filled with what's important and what brings him glory? Or are we pushing him out? May God be pleased with us 
as we look at the reality that God in the fullness of time would send forth His Son so that our time today, tomorrow, and for the rest of our lives could be the most wonderful time of the year as we live in the Son, Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Father God, this fullness of time, we could read this and it could just so quickly go right by us, but God, you want us to pause and you want us to know that what happened some 2,000 years ago back in Bethlehem, it was the whole point of time. It was the crescendo coming of time. That the master over time, you, God, and just that perfect time would send Jesus to come so that all your promises could be yes in him. That Jesus would come to unite heaven and earth and take away the hell we deserve. And give us this amazing privilege to be adopted into your family. To be your sons. To be able to call out, Abba, Father. Father, I pray for anyone here that doesn't have the ability because they don't have the spirit of Jesus in their life. They can't truly call out, Abba, Father. God, I pray that today they would experience that greatest gift. Today they would surrender their life to you. That today they would have the joy of knowing that this now is the most wonderful time of the year in their life. And God, for those of us who know this reality and yet we live our lives with the fullness of life crowding out, Jesus, crowding out the point and the crescendo. God, help us repent. Help us to look at our calendars afresh and say, am I having this season for marshmallow toasting or living for Jesus? God, forgive me. Forgive this pastor for filling my life with such fullness of nonsense. God, may I be consumed with Jesus. May this church be consumed with Jesus. We pray in Christ's name, amen.